Hey Trekkies and welcome to Trek Freaks, a part of the Geek Freaks Network. In this podcast, we review episodes of Star Trek, starting with the original series. My name is John, and I'll be one of your hosts, joined by my good friend and co-host, Kevin. Hey everybody, and today we're talking about the original series, season 1, episode 26, Errand of Mercy. Man, this was a, this was a good one. Did you like this one, Kevin? I did it. I... It was slow, but not in a bad way. It let the drama build up and it let the story breathe a bit. It didn't rush everything like we know Star Trek tends to do. <laughs> exactly. I like it. Uh, all right. Before we get into the recap, though, I got a question for you. Oh, what is it? If, then this question is from uh, Kim Chamberlain. She says, if you could watch one Star Trek series for the rest of your life, which one would it be? So, oh, shoot. So there's a couple different schools of thought on this. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, if I had not seen any Star Trek ever in the past, the one Star Trek I'd, I'd answer with is The Next Generation. I think it's the perfect introductory and the perfect, re perfectly rewatchable Star Trek in the sense that the characters all develop throughout the series. And every time I rewatch it, like I catch a random episode on TV, it's like, oh, shit, I should rewatch this whole series again. Deep Space Nine's my my favorite, but TNG is just that much more rewatchable, I think. However. Having seen all of Star Trek thus far, if I, there was only one I could rewatch after watching it all, it would definitely be uh, Lower Decks. Lower Decks is by far my favorite really? to rewatch. Yeah, it is so good. Just knowing all the in jokes already, as long as there's nothing else that I have to watch again <laughs> to get, Star Trek uh, Lower Decks would be the most rewatchable for me, for sure. All right. I like it. I like How about it. you? Uh, I think so for me, my default's always Voyager because I've watched it so many times and that's, I, you know, I, I know every episode by heart by now. Uh, but if I could cheat a little bit, I would say whatever's currently airing in hopes that it will continue to air new episodes. <laughs> so if we have like Discovery or when uh, Strange New World starts up, if I say, hey, I want to watch that series for the rest of my life, I just want to know that they're going to keep making new episodes and not drop it after seven seasons. <laughs> So I don't we'll know. see. If I, I could cheat that way, then yeah. I like that because yeah, you're getting new content. You're not rewatching the same thing over and over again. But like Discovery has been so hit or miss lately that I, I mean, not lately, just throughout its run, that I we don't know if I'd want more than seven seasons of it. <laughs> <laughs> like Supernatural went on for fifteen seasons or something, and I was done with it by season six or yeah, se season six was the last really good one. <laughs> so I, some shows just outlive their welcome. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still a fan of Discovery. I'll watch it until it dies. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. I'll <laughs> still keep watching it. All right, let's get into our warp speed recap. The Enterprise is en route for the planet Organia. Recent tensions with the Klingon Empire has the Federation worried. If the Klingons wish to wage war over their disputed territories, this planet is the perfect location for them to use as a base of operations. Kirk receives word from Starfleet. It's code one, war. Kirk and Spock beam down to the planet and explain the situation to the Organian elders. Not interested in violence, the elders insist there's no danger. Kirk pleads with them to prepare defenses, but they are not interested. They quickly run out of time. The Klingons arrive, beam down, and take the planet. Kirk and Spock attempt to blend in with the locals. The Organians show no resistance and agree to submit to Klingon rule. In an attempt to undermine the Klingons, Kirk and Spock destroy a weapons depot. Though this slows down their efforts of the, the efforts of the Klingons, it also exposes Kirk and Spock's true identity. 
they are thrown in a prison cell. If they do not choose to cooperate with the Klingons, the Klingons will use their mind scanner to extract any information they need, a process that is likely to leave their minds severely damaged. With help from the Organian elders, Kirk and Spock escape and sneak into the office of the Klingon governor to hold him at phaser point. Just as a full-on phaser fight is about to break out, their weapons are suddenly too hot to handle. The Organians, a far more advanced people than we uh, were led to believe, put a stop to this Klingon and Federation war. At first, both elders, both leaders, were furious with the uh, intervention. However, the Organians explained that by stopping the war without fighting, millions of lives are saved on both sides. A little frustrated to have no control, however, Kirk understands. The Organians show their true form uh, as a being of pure energy. At this, Kirk understands that, the, that resisting them would be futile and returns to the Enterprise. Nice. That was a, that was a good episode. That was a very good recap of this episode as well. Uh, kind of refreshed my memory on it a bit. <laughs> So I like this episode. I just don't like that we have once again. It's like the only thing that, that at least season one of next of uh, original series knows. We always have a god person, character, species, whatever. Somebody who has just such immense powers beyond human that it's like, all right, well, we just got to submit to their will. I would not go out into space anymore <laughs> if we just kept running into god creatures that could just do with us what they want. Oh. It didn't bug me as much in this episode. I understand why you're saying that because they do lean on that a lot. In this episode, it was necessary to tell the story that they were trying to tell, I think. Like, mm -hmm. that you never really know what you're getting into and you should... We'll get into it with the analysis and breakdown at the end of the episode, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I didn't mind it as much in this one. All right. All right, let's do our scene-by-scene uh, -scene breakdown. All right. Uh, so, we start out on the Enterprise Bridge. They're approaching Organia, the planet. Uh, the Klingon Empire is expected to attack. They know their tensions are high. They've been arguing about their territories and the, the alliance they have is just not, not working out. Uh, and so, they were told to, to be near that planet, to go touch bases with that planet. If there is a, a war that breaks out, they need to make sure that planet's protected and secure and you know Klingons can't take it because it's a perfect... Uh, you know, base of operations for them to attack from. And sure enough, uh, the Enterprise is attacked. It is a, a Klingon ship. They luckily fire into the dark once the ship uh, vanishes and are able to hit it. They see there's just floating debris, so they, they expect they destroyed it. Uh, but then that's when Kirk gets the message that, that the Klingons have called out for, for full-on war. Uh, and then they, they beam down to the planet. So I noticed the when they were attacking, when they were fighting with the Klingon ship, uh, did you, I don't know, I, it was almost hilarious. This I can't remember seeing them shake from like being in an actual phaser battle uh, yet, or ship battle, but the way they shake, they just like throw their body in one direction, <laughs> not like the shaking we're used to in next gen and later series. Yeah, I think, think they, about that? Yeah, they were still trying to, to get a grasp on how to actually, I, I think, do that. I think it's definitely Uhura that stands out the most and because those goddamn uniforms that they make her wear. It's yeah. like it, I, I would have if I was in her position, I'd be like, if you want me to fling myself across, you're going to give me something that's like that goes lower Covers than my me. mid thigh. Yeah. 
right but, but yeah it's it's it was pretty funny it's not as good as it is later on like you said um <laughs> i had something i wanted to mention but i don't remember what it is so let's let's move oh, forward because <laughs> i talk I, I i just keep going and then i talk too much and then i get past any checkpoint now oh, whatever you're saying is <laughs> obviously more important better than what i was going to say because i forgot what i was going to say to respond to what you were saying <laughs> all right well so they beam down to organia uh it was a pretty interesting set i mean it looked it, i'm glad to see them using outdoor sets and stuff like that right away they show this castle in the distance and they're talking about how like this place must be more advanced or so than they thought because they their records were, were incorrect about the development of these people or something like that. But it, when we see that right away, I mean, they're obviously a pre-warp society. It's like they weren't, they weren't surprised to see them beam down, which was, which was curious and they, uh, Spock pointed it out. But the fact that, I mean, these people are wearing just robes and they don't seem to have hardly anything for tools and technology makes me wonder, why are we interacting with them? Is this not breaching the Prime Directive? Aren't they, they don't, don't they look like a pre-warp society? Uh, it seems like they may have already had contact with this planet before because it seemed like Kirk and Spock were expecting a welcoming party like they that they knew that they were there. And then the guy shows up anyway. That was my first thought, though, is that, uh, dude, this is totally breaking the prime directive. Like, no, like, get out of there. But I, I even with that in mind, do you think that breaking the prime directive in order to try to save this civilization from the Klingons? is worth breaking the prime directive for because i kind of do and i'm sure True. kirk would too just because yeah. that's the way that <laughs> he's a bit of a renegade yeah so if this was if this was maybe a first contact situation no 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 um but it, like you're saying it probably wasn't they've probably been there before and they could have gone there before to defend these people from uh the klingons defend them from a uh another advanced civilization and that was their excuse to break the prime directive yeah something like that but i mean we see later they're they're a lot more advanced than we realize the outside sets though like you mentioned they were pretty good i didn't like that they uh had the camera shot of the fortress or castle and it was clearly a different quality of <laughs> camera or camera whatever that they use the, the picture that they use for that yeah. uh, it always bugs me stargate sg1 does that a lot and that that show is filmed you know 35 years after this one <laughs> so it, it, it really stood out to me yeah um all right so then kirk goes with the elders uh with aleborn is named the lead elder the head the chair of the elder council or something like that uh spock decides to go wander the village and and take scans and stuff like that um i noticed too in this outdoor scene i like the outdoor scenes it's nice to see different settings but their voiceover is obviously harder to do they're just Almost every scene we know now, they they go back and re-record it later and overlay the audio. Uh, but sometimes in these outdoor scenes, especially when they're moving their heads, they can't see their mouth to try to match them up. It looks pretty obvious that the the words don't match up. The thing that made me notice it wasn't even that the the lip syncing didn't match up. It was more the fact that when the elder first started talking, he was like thirty feet from Kirk and talking at a normal volume. So yeah. there was no way that he'd be able to hear him. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's another thing is they're unreasonably clear a lot of times. And yeah. like, I get that's why you're doing this, but you got to have a little bit of, you know, sound effects in between what we're supposed to be hearing and what we do here because, yeah, it just sounds too clean sometimes. I also thought it was hilarious that Kirk asks for like a leader or something to talk to. And the guy's like, we don't have a leader, but I'm the leader of the leaders of the, the leader, the guys that lead. So 
I guess I'm who you're looking for. He's like, I'm the elder of the high chair of council, whatever. It's like, no, that's exactly what I asked for. Why are you saying that you don't accept? (laughs) Hilarious. Right. Like you guys don't have a structure and order and yet you do have a council and you're the leader of the council. Right. (laughs) Maybe don't call it president or something, but you have have a leader. (laughs) Sorry, bud. Uh, all right so yeah kirk talks to the elders and tries to explain to them like hey these guys are gonna come it's gonna be a bad war we need to you know prepare you guys' planetary defenses to keep them from landing here and they're like no you're you're crazy there's nothing wrong we're okay we're safe everything's fine and kirk tries to plead with them like hey you know we got to do something you guys you're just sheep you're just sitting here you're gonna you know you're all gonna die and they're like oh no everything's okay relax like and Kirk thinks they're just, they're just out of it. They have no concept of danger or something. Uh, Spot comes back and notes that uh, the civilization has made no progress in thousands of years. That these people are just completely stagnant. They've been living and dying in generations and doing the exact same thing, and no, no evolution in their technology or anything like that. Um, but then, then they do. They are under attack. The the Klingons arrive. They circle the, or they, was it six ships, I think, one of the guys says, uh, are in orbit of their planet. Yeah, it's like five or six, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, so, so the Enterprise takes off because Kirk told Sulu, hey, as soon as you see them, if you can't, you know, outgun them, you need to get out of here, protect my ship, me and Spock will be fine. Yep. And so he does, he gets out of there, but that means Kirk and Spock are stuck on the planet. The Klingons are beaming down, they're taking the planet, so they're like, crap, we got to. We got to do something. We're going to try to blend in. Uh, Kirk's going to try to, you know, be a local, even though he doesn't have their demeanor. Spock is going to try to play as he's uh, just a Vulcan trader that happens to be there to sell his goods. I thought Um, that was kind of weird. Normally when they have a like a Vulcan like Spock or somebody else that has just like a a ridge or, you know, ears that are different or whatever to blend in, they just usually put a a bandana on them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think that would have been a lot easier to explain like, especially they do the that with Klingons spock in know. the movies too yeah the klingons know what's going on they're not gonna trust that there's a vulcan there i mean his eyebrows are different like but yeah you can still cover his ears or better yet put him away go somewhere yeah like hide him <laughs> get in the cellar i don't know <laughs> put put him in put him in the prison cell and just tell him we caught this this weird Klingon or this weird uh, Vulcan and we didn't know what he was here for, but he must be a spy. We're going to keep him in here. And cool. All right. He's already taken care of. They have, you know, he's not at risk of being hurt. And then obviously you can let him out whenever you want. Uh, so we meet Kor, who is the Klingon military governor of Organia now. He claims Organia. Um, so what do you think when you see these now, I want to say new Klingons, but they're obviously <laughs> <laughs> the first Klingons. I don't think I've ever seen even like images of this original uh, concept. So, you've never seen these Klingons before? No. Okay. So, this is exciting. So, I, I first of all, I'll answer your question. I love the uniforms. Mm. I don't like that they're just basically dudes in blackface. A lot of them are. Mm. Um, that's not great. But <laughs> the uniforms are great. A couple of things about that. First of all, they later on in the Enterprise prequel series, they explain why these Klingons don't have ridges on their foreheads. Through, oh, okay. uh, they use some DNA from augmented humans, like genetically modified humans, 
like Khan, essentially, the people that were like Khan, um, to further enhance the, the Klingons. They, they were doing experiments on different Klingons, and a bunch of them got infected with this thing, and it ended up changing their appearance and not doing anything to them. It caused them to almost all die until Captain Archer saved the day. Go figure. Um, also, Core in this episode, the same guy plays Core the Klingon in Deep Space Nine later on. Same actor plays the same character later on. It's so good. Like, but does he look different later he, on? Yeah, he has, he looks like a, a, a typical Klingon later on, like the next generation era Klingon later on. Um, nice. So they also did say in that Enterprise episode it would take possibly decades to <laughs> to render the the effect side effects of this whatever. Yeah, it's it's stupid, but they tried to I make it that, make sense. I love when they tie those loose threads and just yeah. kind of make something make sense out of it. The thing that I don't like is the way that the Klingons look in season one of Discovery because it looks so vastly different than they do two years, three years later in the original series, and then yeah. even more different than yeah, it is really weird. <laughs> but I just wanted to get that out there. Core is a great character. The actor that plays him is fantastic, and I I love I love the Klingon uniforms for some reason. Yeah. So do you think did the did they have any way of explaining why they act different, like their demeanor and their they're not uh, as aggressive as the Klingons that we're used to from the other shows. Was there anything about that in their genetic modification? No. Um, the only thing that I could think of is, and I just thought of this right now while I was talking about Core, is that even later on in Deep Space Nine, Core does have a dark side to him. Like he'll, he's the Dahar master, whatever that means in Deep Space Nine. But um, it, he goes on a mission with a couple other Klingons that I think we meet later on in the series in TOS as well. Um, and he's he's more of a laid back general like he's he's not as aggressive he's more of the intellectual type for the most part not not as much as in this episode but he's not as aggressive as the klingons that we see in tng and later on oh that makes sense and i like to see that as long as it's planned that there are you know people in their society that are like diplomats and sophisticated and stuff like that it's always bothered me i always think about this with herogens i want to see from voyager I want to see their home world or their people like, you know, there's somebody out there, there's, there's mothers having children. What are the nurses of their people like? They can't all be just brutes that are just <laughs> right. going to smash everything and we're going to, we're going to cut the baby out of your belly. And like, there's, there's got to be softer people in their society, smart people that develop their technology and integrate it. And, you know, there's got to be a chef somewhere. Like, what do those people look like and how do they, you know, work in their society versus what we see, which is just the warriors. And you think like our people, we send right now for the most part, not in the future, hopefully, we just send ships of warriors to other countries for battle and stuff like that. So like, yeah, you you see the Marines coming. You're not seeing, you know, the, the softest side of America. You're seeing the Marines. They're there to fight. I think so, the thing uh, that saved it for me a little bit was Kirk saying that the Klingon Empire is a military dictatorship when he yeah. was talking to the, the Argonians. So kind of save that a little bit i think that the klingons in this episode were a little bit too much like the romulans mm, so yeah. they had to change them and make them more aggressive later on in order to differentiate them philosophically that makes sense all right so core explains that he's got this thing called a mind scanner he used a few names for it though he said mind sifter uh mind scanner mind shredder i think he said once uh, mind ripper I think was, Ripper. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so pretty much just trying to explain that this device they have 
much like an earlier episode, I didn't, I don't think I put it. In, oh yeah. Uh, dagger of the mind, that device that, that we see in there where you can, it's a brainwash machine. Um, but much like that, this just can dig in your mind, get out any information that they want, but it's very aggressive. If you resist it or if it has to get turned up too high, it can destroy your brain. Just leave, you know, scraps behind. Uh, that was interesting to see too, though, that, you know, these Klingons have kind of a more sophisticated technology, something that we don't have in Starfleet. Thank goodness too, because I think that that technology would be a little too dangerous in a, in a universe where section 31 exists. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so after threatening Kirk with the mind scanner, which they tried to use on Spock and supposedly it, they think it worked because they say, oh yeah, he, he is what he says he is. He's a merchant. Spock luckily was able to outwit the mind scanner and use, you know, use his mental block to only allow it to see what he wants it to see. Uh, but after that, they tell Kirk, Kord tells Kirk, if you uh, don't keep the people in line, then pretty much you're going to die. So that's his job is he's the mediator between him and the, the locals and he's got to keep everybody straight. All right, so then we see a little later, Kirk and Spock uh devise this plan they're gonna they go and, and jump a couple guards steal a grenade and destroy a uh, arms depot where apparently the klingons leave all their stuff all their weapons in one outdoor storage area which makes sense they just landed on this planet so they're probably moving all their weapons or whatever uh did you notice though the crates <laughs> they were just like corrugated paper not even cardboard boxes from you know home depot or something they were just like corrugated paper squares that looked really, really cheap. Hey, but they did paint them, so it's all good. <laughs> it's colorful, yeah. It's yeah. like an elementary school <laughs> classroom. Hey, honestly, that's a, a smart way to save money on prop design is by having it as like a, taking it all to school as like a kindergarten <laughs> project, arts and crafts project. Hey, can you right. ma make boxes out of these and paint them? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I don't know, that was... That was sad, but shortly after seeing the really bad boxes of weapons, uh, we see some really good pyrotechnic pyrotechnics uh, with all the explosions they set off to show them destroying them. So I thought that was uh, kind of made up for it. Yeah, it, it, that did look pretty cool. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, but then the Organian elders find out that Kirk and Spock destroyed these weapons. And they're like, wait, what? How did you... What do you, you use violence? How dare you? Why would you use violence? <laughs> They're just like so baffled. Like we're we're trying to be peaceful. We're trying to do this in a way that nobody gets hurt, and you you wouldn't use violence. Like someone's gonna get hurt. They want to enslave all of your people to work for them. So I just realized that if there's ever a Star Trek audio drama that we do, or any kind of audio drama that Geek Freaks ever produces, you have to be a voice actor. <laughs> no, I'll try. What is this violence? What is that? Why did you do that? I love that. Uh, that'd be fun. Yeah. My only problem is reading. I'm such a bad reader. It's like <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be able to read lines like I should. <laughs> hey, but once you're in that character, man, that's all you. I think it 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 would come out. It it would show. <laughs> yeah. Uh so Core was listening in when Kirk and the elders were talking about them blowing up the weapons depot. So his cover is blown. Um and Kirk's gonna be executed. Uh, or sorry, he's gonna he's gonna go through their mind scanner if he doesn't give up all the information he has, and then he's gonna be executed after that, uh, or in that process. Uh, so the lead elder 
exposes Kirk's true identity at that point because right now Kor thinks he's just uh, the local guy being a douchebag. Uh, so he explains that he is the starship captain he is and Kor loves it. He is just so excited to have the famous captain you know, of the Enterprise in his custody. So he's like, he's a giddy like a little schoolgirl. Uh, so before they go to use the mind scanner, he's like, hey, send this guy to my my uh, study or my chambers or whatever. We're going to have a talk. Uh, so Kor and Kirk sit down for like a one-on-one. Um, Kor does admit that he admires the Federation. He admires Kirk himself. Uh, he tries to relate with him, say we're very similar people. Uh, but then eventually he comes around to it. He wants Kirk to explain to him where they're forces are where's where's starfleet what you know give him some intel um and kirk obviously just refuses and uh core gives him 12 hours says i'm gonna give you 12 hours to to decide that you want to work with me that's that's as much time as we got to work with if you decide not to work with me we're just going to use the brain scanner and destroy your brain but you know i'd, I'd hate to do that because you are a, a starship captain and but yet he has some respect for him uh so he throws him in the cell with uh spock in uh yeah prison cell i do like that uh you mentioned that core says that he has some admiration for kirk and the federation as a whole because you like you said earlier even us in real life we when we're going to other countries and stuff we send warriors we send our fighters and soldiers and that's probably more how the klingon empire views the federation it's just these guys aren't explorers they say they're explorers but they always send soldiers it's always soldiers we see so it makes sense that in Kor's mind that they think they're so much more alike than they actually are. Yeah. 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 And I like, I mean, we, in this, we see that the Klingons are a lot more sophisticated than we're used to, but it's kind of a cool take on them. I wish maybe certain care, like uh, we'll see in the future, like you're saying, Kor is in later episodes in uh, next gen and he is that more sophisticated version of a Klingon. So I look forward to seeing that more because that's a cool take on them. Something I haven't seen them in uh, Voyager, at least, or most other shows. All right, so then we get to see Kirk and Spock break out, uh, which was not very complicated. They're sitting there for a short time, kind of pondering, like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Uh, trying to plot against Klingons. The uh, leader of the Elders, uh, a, I had his name. I don't know. The <laughs> leader of the Elders. Aelborn. Uh, Aelborn, that's Sounds it. like he's out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, he comes and lets them out and, you know, he's like, well, you, they're, they're going to do violence to you. So I have to come let you free. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Just, voice. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, when Kor finds them, uh, finds that they have escaped, he makes an announcement over like their intercom system or whatever. Uh, he says, you know, these guys escape, blah, blah, blah. We're going to kill, uh, some of the Organians until they are returned to us. And so, in their courtyard, I guess, they activate some phasers and 200 Organians are executed. And the elders are just not phased at all. Kirk and Spock are looking at them like, guys, we got to do something. Like, your, your people are dying. And like, oh, no, everything's okay. And it's like, no, dude, you're, <laughs> 200 <laughs> people were just executed. I, I, to an extent, I blame the elders for not explaining any of what's really going on to Kirk and Spock, though. Yeah. They're trying to protect Kirk and Spock. Because they know that those two are the only ones that are really in danger here. Kirk and Spock are trying to protect the Organians because they seem like they're sheep out amongst wolves. And yet, they won't explain to Kirk and Spock how powerful they are or that they are pure energy, that this isn't going to hurt them at all. They, they don't explain nothing. So, 
obviously they're going to be panicking. I get that. I mean, that makes sense. But also from the Organians perspective, why should they explain it? Like Kirk didn't have to be there. I mean, he could, they could have told him at the very beginning before the Klingons arrived, said, no, we're good uh, because of this. So you don't have to feel the need to protect us. But I mean, at the, I don't think the Organians owe Kirk an explanation at all. Like <laughs> Kirk went there, so th- he they didn't ask for him. In fact, they turned him away. So, I, yeah. in my, in my opinion, they probably didn't owe him much of an explanation. But just to convince, like he's not obviously complying with what they want him to do to protect himself, right? So if they explain to him what's going on, he'll obviously be more willing to comply. He might want to turn the script and say, oh, okay, so me and you are friends and you guys have this great power, so let's use it to get rid of the Klingons because they're really bad guys. He would probably do something like that. But, you know, obviously they wouldn't comply with that either. Um, but he, he uh, Kirk and Spock threaten the elders, more so Kirk, threaten the elders to uh, return their phasers, which is funny. He's threatening these beings of pure energy that have so much more power than him. He has no idea. Uh, but he tells them they, they better return the phasers. So, they point them out how it's kind of funny that they're just they're in the cabinet over there just in the room just in a closet like they're not in some secret safe or visible (laughs) they're just where they've been the whole time yeah they're underneath the styrofoam cups by the coffee maker (laughs) right the the one piece of furniture in the room that wasn't a chair or a desk (laughs) (laughs) just in that one place yeah that was pretty funny um Kirk and Spock take the phasers. They're going to go fight the army of Klingons uh, and try to, you know, protect this this civilization and hopefully uh, stop the war. Um, so I got to ask you at this point, you got, you know, there's just two of you, you have phasers in hand and you're going to take on a Klingon army. How would you go about it? You think they had a good approach? Um, uh, I think the only chance they would have had is if they tried going straight for core. That's the mm-hmm. only plan that they could come up with that would make any kind of sense, in my opinion, because yeah. you cut off the head, the the, re- the body dies. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how the Klingons operate. In fact, I know later on that's not how the Klingons operate at all. Just the next one takes the spot. But uh, I think in most. Unless, if, unless you can you sneak up on him and then challenge him to a duel and then you beat him with pure strength. Right. And yeah. then you'll take over his whole uh, clan. Right. Right, yeah, but uh, that's not established <laughs> at this point, unfortunately. But yeah, I think going after core is the only chance they've got. Yeah, and I think they did a good job. I was really surprised. I love, well, I'll go back to it in a second, but I was really surprised that they were as successful as they were. Obviously, we're watching a show, they got to be, but uh, the fact that there wasn't more resistance to like sneak into the castle and like get, you know, find where he was and all that stuff was, it seemed a little bit too easy. I would have liked a little more struggle, but yeah, it's, I don't know, they're running out of time. Uh, but I love before they, they charge in and start shooting people up, uh, when they're outside and Spock explains their uh, chances of survival, he says, it's, I, I have it down here, he said, I'd say it's approximately 7,824.7 to 1. And Kirk's like, <laughs> difficult to be precise, 7,824 to 1? He said, no, 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 7,824.7 to 1. It's like, that's a pretty close approximation. <laughs> Uh, and Spock says, I endeavor to be accurate. He says, you do well. So, I just love that little exchange back and forth where Spock is being extremely precise and Kirk's like, and, and saying that he's, 
you know, trying to be as close make, as he can. Yeah. Yeah. This is an approximation. Like, how approximate can you be? That's pretty damn precise. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the back and forth between them. It's good to have this kind of banter in the middle of the episode, too, because normally we see it at the very, very, very end of the episode. It's, yeah. it's nice to see it in the middle, like when the stakes are high. Have yeah. a little bit of levity in the middle there. Yeah. Um, all right. So they stunned the two guards at the entrance. Um, they oh, so they they sneak into this into one of the rooms, and the the guards are passing by the door, and Kirk is able to like snatch one uh, on the the back end of the row of guards when they're walking. I was kind of um, th- this shows that these aren't the Klingons that we're used to because he pulls him, he interrogates him, and is able to get something out of him. A regular Klingon that we know in the future would die before you get anything out of him. He will, you know, that this would be a dishonorable death if you capture him. He is already, he should commit suicide at this point because you captured him. But then, you know, you're, if you're able to interrogate him, get information out of him, and then kill him, you're not going to Novacor. Like, that's, you're, you're, I don't know, you failed. <laughs> Hold uh, on, Novacor? Oh, no, what's it called? The Stovacor? Stovacore. <laughs> What's no- Novacore? Novacore is, it sounds like, I think it's from something. It's from another sci-fi thing. Uh, it's, mm. It sounds like a like Starfleet, but in another sci-fi universe. The Novacore. Oh, it's from God. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, man. All right, all right. Oh, that sounds like a Stovacor. crossover we need. The Stovacore, Novacore crossover. <laughs> all right. Oh, God. Okay. Anyways, but with that, you know, he's obviously a very different Klingon than we're used to because uh, the way he was so willing to be interrogated. Um, how do you, well, we kind of went over. It. I mean, that's, that's how I think a regular Klingon would react is either he's going to fight to his death to try to get free of your grip or kill himself before you can get any information out of him. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, death before dishonor. They, I think that's a one that they use a lot. And uh, today's a good day to die. They they yeah. <laughs> say that a lot, so I'm pretty sure that a normal I say normal Klingon is in like one that we're used to after TOS would definitely not have given anything up and would rather just die if they're captured. Yeah, that that, that is their way. Yeah, though to be fair, if we're trying to say that that uh, core is different than most Klingons that we're used to, these guys are following him, so maybe they've learned a certain level of enlightenment or sophistication from him that changed how they react that's fair i guess I <laughs> uh so they storm into core's office uh hold him at phaser point uh he uh considers that the battle is pretty much over because the klingon fleet is about to arrive so he's he's ready to to have a victory toast with them and kirk's like well let's not you know let's not call it quite yet uh, he takes him by phaser point and is, is going to march him out the doors, I think, to take him to a prison cell. I'm not sure. Uh, but then he talks about how uh, the Klingons are so powerful because they they work together and they're always under surveillance is pretty much what he gets to and points up at the camera and shows him like, hey, you're, you're being watched right now. As soon as that happens, a bunch of um, a bunch of his guards charge in the Klingon guards. But. As they pull phases on each other and they're ready to just have a full-on phaser fight, their weapons all become too hot to handle. They just drop their phases on the ground. And I noticed when I watched this the second time, not only did they drop their phases on the ground, but as soon as they tried to like fight hand-to-hand, every contact was too hot. They, they tried to 
punch each other, but the hands burn. They try to grab the guy's collar and his hands burn. So they they literally cannot fight. All weapons and means of conflict are too hot to touch. But they can uh, still spar with words if they wanted to. Yes. <laughs> they can still call yeah. each other mean names. If I spit on you, will the spit burn into your eye? <laughs> oh, that that would be crazy. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Uh, so the Organians enter after that and they tell him like we've put a stop to your guys' violence all instruments of violence are uh, radiating at 350 degrees um, I wonder if that's Fahrenheit or Celsius probably Fahrenheit probably but it'd be interesting in space in the future we use Fahrenheit um, so everybody's furious uh, Aylborn explains like hey by by preventing this oh before that sorry he he says as much as I am right here, I am also on both of your home worlds too, putting an end to this war. So I thought that was fascinating. Not only, you know, are they powerful and pure energy, but he could be in multiple places at once. Um, but then he explains that, you know, by, by preventing you guys from actually breaking out in a full-on war, I'm saving millions of lives on either side. So your, both of your societies are better if we just don't have a full war. You just need to find a different way to agree on your territories or, you know, resolve your, your uh, argument. Um, but so that was, I don't know, that was pretty cool. We've never seen, I don't think, I don't think we've ever seen, we've never seen somebody with that kind of a power to, to affect everything so diversely, I should say. I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, like on such and, a big scale, right? Yeah. So it's kind of complicated because I, I I try to make logic out of everything and make a way that it can make sense. And it's like, all right, if it's metal, you know, or if it's a certain material, even if it's a type of plastic that their weapons are made out of, tritanium or whatever, you can say you dialed some kind of technology to a certain frequency that resonates with that material and all of that material is hot. Okay. But what about hand-to-hand -hand combat? How is that possible that just touching somebody, you know, how do you know when when they're being confrontational or not it's tricky so whatever their tech is it's more advanced than you know i can explain at least yeah the the fact that he says that they're on both that he's on both of the home worlds doing or putting an end to the war it does make you wonder wh what he's doing i'm picturing aleborn <laughs> like just tapping on the klingon high high uh like on the door to the klingon high council and going hey 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 guys can you mind stopping can you stop, please? And There's just, no need for violence. <laughs> I should have done the voice, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> just like nagging them to the point where they stop. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, if he has the power to affect this on their planet here, then maybe on the home worlds too, that no weapons are working and saying, hey, you guys aren't going to be able to fight each other until you find a way to, to be peaceful. But Yeah, that's kind of what I figured, but I, I like the, the whole, no, you just, just don't do it, please. Just please don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right so uh both men are furious about this the leaders um they're arguing you know and and Aylborn, you know ends up explaining like you know what you're fighting to defend is the right to kill millions to lose lives in the process and so he explains to them that peace is a, is much greater than victory uh, essentially um so after that the oh we see him uh turn into pure energy which is kind of a demonstration of their power. And they're so bright, the guys can barely uh, see, look at them. And then once they vanish, the two kind of 
uh, acknowledge that, you know, this is unfortunate that we can't fight. This would have been a good fight, but uh, we're going to have to go our separate ways. So they do. And uh, the crew's back on the ship. Let's see. Once we're back on the Enterprise, before we sign out, they always got that little little um, banter between usually Spock and Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spock says, you've been most restrained since we left Organia. Kirk says, I'm embarrassed. I, I was furious with the Organians for stopping a war I didn't want. Uh, Spock says, it took millions of years for the Organians to evolve into what they are. Even the gods do not spring into being overnight. You and I have no reason to be embarrassed. We did, after all, beat the odds, uh, the 7,000 whatever to one. Uh, and Kirk says, no, Mr. Spock, we didn't beat the odds. We didn't even have a chance. The Organians rigged the game. And then Kirk has that pleased look on his face, and Spock looks intrigued. The old Kirk smirk. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Uh, so I, did you, I don't know, I guess I didn't get that at first that, you you know oh we didn't beat the odds yeah i mean you guys beat the odds you guys didn't die you got in there you got you arrested or whatever um the organian or the uh core the general but to say that the the organians rigged the odds i don't really see i guess they they just put a stop to the game is what it seems yeah like. there was really no game to begin with because nobody was dying the entire time it was all that's the Organians yeah. were stopping all of it before it happened. Yeah, there was no, no odds to be, yeah, worried about or no risks to be worried about. All right, all right, I like it. Um, so then, yeah, Enterprise carries on <laughs> on their mission. <laughs> uh, so I gave this episode a B plus. Had good pacing. I like the set design. I love it when they're in a new a new set, a new you know when they could do it decent. Earlier episodes, they really skimped on the budget. Now I think they're kind of on a roll. Uh, costumes were good. I did like to see the new characters, even though it's a different version of the Klingons that we change in the future, but they still looked cool and acted pretty cool. Uh, I just, the only downside to me is this was another episode that was answered and resolved by a God character amongst the humans. So that's a downside to me. Yeah. Did you rate it? Yeah, I I give it a B plus. Okay. Okay. Um, I I think I agree with the B plus rating. Um, I'm right there with you. I did like the set design, the pacing, um, the characters were all good to me. I, I other than ugh, the stereotypical god character, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, and I like that we later, like we've said before, that gets consolidated into Q to where whenever they want to have that kind of fun, you know, powerlessness, it comes in one form, and we see. I mean, we see that one character change but uh it kind of doesn't feel so cheap when you're revisiting the same person right it doesn't seem like as much of a threat i should say too it's not like there's gods all over the planets and you know everywhere you go you don't know how quickly your entire existence can change there's you know one q or one q continuum those are the ones that have all the power and then we run into less gods outside of that so Seems a little more contained. What did you get for the the moral of the message of the story? Uh, mine is do not allow yourself to be blinded by vengeance. Well, that's good. That's good. That's true. Um, and that's that's in a lot of different episodes of the original series, we see that as being a moral. Not even just the original series in Star Trek in general. Um, yeah. for me, I got a little bit something different out of this. Uh, 
Star Trek was made as like a, a protest to the war that was going on to war in general, I would say as well. And mm-hmm. to me, this seemed like it was. It was Roddenberry's way of telling us that we don't need to be in a place that we're not wanted or needed, even though we think we're needed. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, we being Starfleet is what I'm going to go with. Um, yeah. uh, you can make whatever analogies to real life that you want to with that and that's exactly what Roddenberry wants you to do um the Organians didn't need us they didn't want us and we got ourselves involved in a war that would have gotten millions of people both Klingon and Starfleet killed as well as the innocent Organians in this case I I think that this was trying to shed a light on that aspect of war and why war is never a good option that makes sense I like it sweet yeah, it's a good episode. I like I, that was a I, I kind of hope that there's more episodes like this. I like the the humorous ones or the the really, really bad episodes, but it's nice to split them up and have just a good, solid story driven episode. Yeah. So not to to foreshadow too much, but I'm going to give you a heads up right now. The next episode, 27, uh, the alternative factor. I'm not a big fan of that episode, Ooh, okay. but the, the following episode, the city on the edge of uh, forever. Well, that I think is going to be my favorite from season one. I it think, is really good already. Um, I don't remember the alternative factor. I think City on the Edge of Forever, any Star Trek fan puts up there in like their top five Star Trek episodes of all oh, time. So that's, nice. that's that's a notoriously good episode. So I'm excited for that one. You stick <laughs> yeah. around, catch that one in two weeks time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, thank you all for joining us. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and check us out on geekfreakspodcast.com on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, send us any questions you got if you want us to read your question at the end of the episode or just asking us questions about what we do. We'd love to en- engage with you guys. Uh, join us next week for season one, episode 27, The Alternative Factor. Um, Almost done and, with the season. Yeah, we're, we, got, we have two more episodes after that, 28 and 29, we'll be done with season one. Well, for now, transporter room, two to beam up. I'm Kyle. My name's Kevin. And we are Pushing Buttons. Pushing Buttons is a video game podcast that we talk about pretty much anything to do with video games that we want to, and we ramble a lot. Well, Kevin, it's more than just that. There's so much more to our content. Well, yeah, we kind of go into a lot of our own experiences. We differ a lot with our experiences and our opinions, so there's a lot of back and forth pushing buttons to be done there. Hence the name of the show. It's on the Geek Freaks Network exclusively, and you can check us out each week on Wednesdays. Yeah, if you want to join in on some video gaming goodness, uh, look for it on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Give us a follow, and every week we'll be in your inbox. We'll see you there.